mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled Pentecost and the Harvest. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and verses 14 through 16. Here now, Pastor Moody. Acts chapter 2, the Bible said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. One commentator I read said this. He said, it was not a rushing mighty wind, but it was like it. It's what Jesus talked about in John chapter 3 when he told Nicodemus, the Spirit of God's like this. You don't know where it came from. You can't tell where it's going, but you can sure feel it. Amen. He said, so is everyone. It's like the wind. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Amen. Came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, but it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Amen. It sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. In verse number 14, the Bible said when this had happened that Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto these men that were gathered there, you men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. I like this, for these are not drunk as you think. They are drunk, but not like you think. Seeing it's the third hour of the day, it's nine o'clock in the morning, the liquor stores aren't open yet. Can you say amen? Just the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Then the scripture said in verse number 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized that day in water. Amen. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Say that with me. 3,000 souls. Look at somebody and say that was the first fruit harvest of the New Testament church. First fruit harvest. And I like this. It said they didn't just get saved and get baptized. Oh, no. But they continued. They stayed with it steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayer. I'm going to preach this morning for a little while on the subject or the thought of Pentecost and the harvest. Pentecost and the harvest. Amen. Pray with me. Would you, Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the wonderful songs this morning, for the reminders of how powerful and fresh the outpouring of the Spirit is in our lives we pray today that you would just quicken us and use us for your glory. Show us your glory, certainly, and take us back to the upper room. <laughs> One more time, an upper room experience, oh God, where believers are not just, uh, Lord, just blessed, but they're filled and charged and excited and break through, God, to become fruitful and faithful workers in your harvest, and we'll give you praise. And the church said, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Pentecost is an amazing 
phenomenon occurrence in the Word of God. It's steeped uh, in the tradition of the past all the way back to Moses. Do you know that after the Passover, it was 50 days later when they were on Sinai and Moses went up into the mountain and there was a thick black cloud that descended and thunderings and lightnings. And the Bible said voices like trumpets came out of that cloud. The Jewish tradition, the early fathers say this, they wrote this, Josephus said it, that when that cloud came and those trumpets sounded, what they were literally hearing was God's law being spoken in every voice known to man. Does that sound like the upper room to you? And so Pentecost is, is it's a great day. It's an annual Jewish feast, also known as the Feast of Weeks. God told them back in Leviticus, and repeat it in Deuteronomy, that there would be seven weeks from Passover and one day, seven weeks and one day, which is 50 days. And, uh, and it was also known as the Feast of Weeks, but also the day of first fruits, because it was the day of the beginning of harvest and a celebration of the first buds of harvest. Jewish men were required under that Old Testament economy to show up, amen, uh, at, to Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate three major feasts. First of all, uh, this, this uh, Passover, which is early in the spring. Then 50 days later, Pentecost, seven weeks up to that time, and then one day later, and then tabernacles, Pentecost was the beginning of harvest, and then the Feast of Tabernacles was at the end of harvest. This was a little unusual because they would, take, they would go out in the fields and they would build themselves booths that they would dwell in out there and celebrate the fact that God, they sojourned in that wilderness in tents, and then they were able to come into the land. Let me tell you what Pentecost really represents for them. It represents that there was a time when they were in Egypt and they, they starved. They barely made it. They had just enough to keep them alive. Then God brought them into the wilderness. And while they were in the wilderness, hallelujah, he, he sent manna from heaven. Amen. He brought water out of the rock. The scripture said oil out of the rock and out of the flinty rock. And what that represents is that there was not enough in Egypt, but in the wilderness he was the God of just enough. He sustained them. Can you say Amen. But then Joel said, it's going to come to pass in the last days, saith God. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. You're not just going to have, you know, a priesthood and a hierarchy. But you're going to have everyone, the Holy Spirit being poured out. So Pentecost, and them, to them that feast of harvest represented that God had brought them into the land of plenty, so they went from not enough to just enough, oh, somebody help me, now to more than enough, hallelujah. That's what Pentecost represents. It's an outpouring, can you say amen, hallelujah. And uh, so when I thought about Pentecost, it happened 2,000 years ago. And so when we think about Pentecost and, and today, the, the modern world, it almost seems like a, a, a controversial statement. I, I remember, you know, 43 years ago, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was really ad, well, introduced to Pentecost maybe almost 60 years ago. 
Amen. I guess probably 57, 58 years ago, my dad had gotten saved in Indianapolis, and they'd gotten saved in a Pentecostal church. T.L. Vivert was the pastor, and it was called Abundant Life Memorial Church. And, and T.L. was a Korean War veteran that got shot down behind enemy lines, and it looked like his life would be lost, and he was running from God. He got saved as a young boy and called to ministry, and he was like a lot of other people in the, in the military. He was, he was trying to enjoy the military experience. And he got shot down behind enemy lines. He was an army pilot. And T.L. behind those lines made a covenant with God and said, if you'll bring me out of here, I'll serve you all of my life. And so God brought him through miraculously, through enemy lines, and he escaped. And when he came home, he was, he was true to his word, went to Bible college, seminary, became a great Pentecostal preacher. His brother also pastored a great Pentecostal church in, in Florida. But T.L. Was, was a great success. 2,500 people in a Pentecostal church when there were no big Pentecostal churches back then. I've seen as many as 50 to 100 get baptized in the Holy Ghost in one service. T.L. had a vision for the world. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about Pentecost and the harvest. What Pentecost means to the harvest. Do you understand that the heart of Jesus was consumed with the harvest. Can somebody say amen? He would say to his disciples, lift up your eyes. Don't say there's four months and then harvest, but lift up your eyes now. Look on the fields. They're white, ready to harvest. Oh, listen, if there was ever a time that the church needs to get focused on the harvest, can you say amen? Can I tell you that the gospel is the power of God under salvation. The Pentecostal church needs to be anointed and filled with the power of the Spirit because the gospel is the answer to the drug problem. The gospel is the answer to the moral decay and failure, not just in America, but around the world. Hallelujah. I want to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to every dilemma, to every problem, to every struggle. I wish somebody get a hold of this. I've seen the worst of the worst get saved, hallelujah, get born again by the Spirit of God, get sanctified by the truth and baptized in the Holy Spirit, amen, in fire. I've seen God turn their lives around and use them to become laborers together with Jesus in the harvest. Come on, church, if there was ever a day that we need to find an answer in America, we're not gonna hear it from Washington. We're not gonna hear it from Frankfurt. Come on, it's not gonna come out of the universities. But I think the answer, amen, is one man said, early when he visited from France to the colonies and there was the Puritans and a move of God. He said the, the, the secret to America's strength is not her military because they don't have one. It's not her great learning institutions because they don't have any. But he said the secret to America's strength, amen, and success is its pulpits because there's men of fire standing and declaring the word and people are being saved, hallelujah, and God is turning lives around. Give him praise if you would this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I thought like this, we need to understand. I, I grew up in a church that was for a part of my life that wasn't Pentecostal and then when we went to that Pentecostal church, it was like 
an explosion of revelation to me, power that I'd never imagined or seen. Things happen that could not be explained naturally. I mean, things like miracles, blind eyes opening, cripples getting out of wheelchairs, God doing great things. That church built churches around the world. That pastor would stand in the pulpit and talk about the need to take for the harvest. I remember one time he had a, a big globe of the world that he set down front and it was clear and had a lid on the top of it. And their goal was to reach the world. And as they would reach another area, they'd pour wheat into that, into that globe. And they were trying to fill that up. Their goal was to take the gospel to every corner of the world. And so when I think about the need for Pentecost today, I want to tell you something about the Holy Spirit. He is God. He's not an it. He is God. Can you say amen? He's the third person of the Trinity. Jesus didn't say it will stay with you forever. He said he may abide with you forever. Hallelujah. And many of the modern day critics of Pentecostals only focus on the external. And by and large, that's somewhat our fault because we have put emphasis on tongue talking. We have put emphasis on shouting, and we put emphasis on you know trying to make somebody conform to be like we are. But I wanna tell you the scripture said, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, amen? Can I tell you when the spirit of God moves on you or you are filled with the spirit or you have an experience with the Holy Spirit, it's all right to raise your hands. It's all right to shout. It's all right to rejoice. It's all right to walk in the deliverance and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Can I tell you that early church, they, amen, not only did they get filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room and talk in tongues, are you hearing me? But they came out preaching the gospel of Christ and not only that, but the Bible said that God went with them and signs and wonders followed them. There were ministry gifts. There were gifts of healing. There were gifts of prophecy and tongues, interpretation, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Come on, somebody. They give some miracles and supernatural faith. And the scripture said that they all the people moved in fear because they saw the power of God in that church. Hallelujah. I want to say something today. There's a depth to the Pentecostal experience that has its deep-seated origins and roots in the very word of God himself. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit does what God does. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance what Jesus said. Hallelujah. We need a baptism in the Holy Ghost today. Woo, I just want to preach like I feel. I've come to tell you being baptized in the Holy Spirit will lift you up out of your sadness, lift you up out of your uh, just feeling defeated and, and feeling like you've got no victory because you can stand up look the devil in the face and say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world my God church we need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost today give him praise if you would oh Lord y'all gonna have to shout with me or I'm gonna preach myself to death in a half hour amen let me, I'm feeling something up here let me, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit amen the Holy Spirit is the one that will take us out of here when the trumpet sounds Amen, amen, amen. Come on. Romans 8 and 11 said, but the, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, amen, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken, amen, your mortal bodies, amen, by his spirit that lives in you. Can I tell you something? The Holy Ghost keeps me alive. 
I used to sing a song, it's the Holy Ghost and fire and he's keeping me alive, amen. I'm so glad today for the precious abiding indwelling Holy Spirit. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians, when talking about the rapture, he said, I want you to know something, there's something that withholds to, amen, the, uh, the, the antichrist that he might be revealed in his time and he said the mystery of iniquity is already working, amen. But you know what he went on and said, only he now who lets or allows this, you know, the enemy to, you know, he's holding back will let until he's taken out of the way. When the Holy Spirit leaves here and the church leaves here, can I tell you, restraint is going to be over. The Antichrist is going to come. Amen. This is going to be the rapture of the church and then the beginning of the tribulation. I, I preached that last week. It's still in my spirit. But I want to tell you, thank God, the Holy Ghost, we ain't, he ain't going nowhere. Come on, somebody, until he takes us out with him. Amen. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Touch your neighbor and say you need to be filled with the Spirit. It's not something that happened to me 43 years ago, but can I tell you, I'm about to shout this morning before I left my bedroom. I was talking to God and the Holy Ghost came down. I began to talk until I'm telling you, he wants to fill you every day of your life. Hallelujah. So you'll be ready for the sound of the trumpet. Let me tell you about Pentecost. Pentecost is life. The Spirit of God coming on the day of Pentecost, they were organized, 120 in the upper room. They had walked with Jesus, amen, for three and a half years. They saw his miracles, heard his teachings. They were there at the Mount of Beatitudes when he, when he started the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And when he got done, they said, never a man spoke like this man because he talks with authority. He knows what he's talking about. And so they'd been with Jesus. They'd heard his teachings. He'd spoke his word, but they forgot everything he said, amen, the night that he was arrested. Amen, they, they cursed and denied him. They ran off. They, they hid, can you say, amen. And uh, yet the scripture said, Jesus said, I want you to know that when the spirit comes, he'll bring all things to your remembrance. It was a lifeless organization. Luke 24, 49, Jesus told them, he said, I'm gonna send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued. That word means clothed upon. Listen, the, the, we're, when we're born again, we're born by the Holy Spirit. We become a new creature. Amen, that's being baptized by the Spirit into the body. But I wanna tell you there's another baptism. It's an endowment, it's a clothing with power. It's an anointing, amen, for us. It's life, it brings life. The church did nothing but cower in fear until that wind blew in the upper room, that sound of the wind, and the fire set up on them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, Luke 24, 49, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high. Acts 1 and 4, the Bible said Jesus met with them just before he ascended and he said, wait for the promise of the Father which you have heard of me. I want to show you the example of Israel. Israel were chosen, was chosen to be God's witnesses. And Isaiah, he said, you are my witnesses. Amen. One day some people knocked on my door. They quoted that scripture and they said, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. They started giving me a bunch of stuff and I stopped them. I said, hold it. You are not Jehovah's Witnesses. They said, well, yes, we are. I said, no, you're not. I am. <laughs> what they did? This is not on the internet. Y'all can smile, laugh a little bit. Don't get nervous. You're not Jehovah's Witnesses. You're a cult. Jehovah's Witnesses are born again. By the Spirit of God. Jehovah's Witnesses are filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? And they weren't. Hallelujah. And uh, so, so I, I thought about, about Israel. 
There they were. They were called to be God's witnesses. Amen. They were chosen to be his witnesses. But when Ezekiel saw them in a vision, in Ezekiel chapter, 30, uh, chapter 36, God had spoke to them, gave them a promise and said, I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. But Ezekiel saw him in, in, in chapter 37 and, and verse 1. And I've, I've preached this for years. I, I'll never forget Brother Roy's sister, Hester Lawson, at King's Tabernacle. I was the, the assistant pastor there under Brother King. And, and of course, your mom was there and, and a great number of the old saints that have gone on. And I walked in there one Sunday morning and I preached on the Valley of Dry Bones. And I'm going to tell you, Sister Lawson got happy. Now, she lived to be 99 and a half. And she shouted, power of God come down on her. And I, I'll never forget, I was visiting her one time in a nursing home. And she said, Brother Moody, she said, you've been a great preacher. I said, well, thank you, Sister Lawson. She said, you've been my pastor. She said, I was like somebody in the wilderness and God sent Moses to bring me out. And she said, you've been my pastor. But she, and she patted me on the hand. And she said, but honey, you ain't never preached like you did when you preached on them dry bones. So I thought after all these years, I'm not got any better, can you say? <laughs> but here's what Ezekiel saw. He said, the hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the spirit, set me down in the midst of valley, which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. Look at this last phrase. They were very dry. Listen, they were dead. There was no life. There was no spirit. They were Israel, but they were dead. He said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? Then I answered and said, oh Lord God, thou knowest. And here's what he said. He said, these bones, he said to me, son of man, these bones, amen, are the whole house of Israel. See, there he calls them that. And, uh, and, and, and behold, they say our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts or from our heritage. I want to tell you that a church without the Holy Spirit, a believer without the power of the Spirit, is just very dry. He's cut off from what God's called him to be. I mean, you can go to church and, and some little preacher can stand up and stroke your feathers and pet you on the head and tell you how wonderful you are and tell you you're doing great things. And then you walk out of the house, out of the house of God. You do nothing for God. You don't pray anymore. You don't witness to anybody. You're not trying to win souls. You never have an, an experience with, the, with God outside the church and everything in the world's falling around you. One man, I, I was doing the wedding yesterday and, and the Lord will talk to you about anywhere. I, I went to the wedding and this, this dear brother I know walked up to me and he said, Brother Moody said, I know you'll do a good job today. I said, well, I hope so. He said, because there's something different about you. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm, I listen to people all the time as they try to minister to the flesh from the flesh and nothing happens. But he said, I've watched you. He said, you minister from the power of the spirit and not only do you minister to the spirit, but you minister to the flesh. And he said, I've just got a feeling that while you're marrying this couple today that God's going to say something that's going to touch somebody's heart. Somebody might even get saved at a wedding. Amen. I thought, well, hallelujah. If that's, so, if that's the way it's going to be, let it be that way. And after the, the wedding was over, I want to tell you, I, I'm not trying to you know, tell you I'm anything. I'm just trying to tell you that I had several people come up to me and say, this has been the greatest wedding I've ever been at this ceremony. One man walked up to me and said, I've never seen anybody incorporate Jesus into a wedding like you do. Most of 
time it's just a party. He said, what I've heard today has been life changing. And he was a minister. Are you hearing me? So God said, I want you to know that without the spirit, it's just a dry bone experience. Amen. In verse number 12, he then says to him, therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord, behold, O my people, I'm going to open your graves. I'm going to cause you to come up out of the graves. I'm going to bring you into, amen, the land of Israel. Hallelujah. God is wanting them to know, hallelujah, that, that he's going to do something different, amen, that they've never experienced. Hallelujah, man. And that day, Pentecost, they were all filled and changed, amen. And Ezekiel 37, 14, God says, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I'll place you in your own land Then you'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. My whole point is this. Without the spirit, they were just dry bones. Even when the flesh came up on them and the sinews and all, everything they needed to be a healthy body was laying there. But it wasn't until God spoke to Ezekiel and said, prophesy to the wind. And the wind of God, the ruah, the breath of God blew into those bodies and they stood up. Now I know that's a picture and a type of where Israel is today being regathered and restored. But I want to tell you in Jerusalem that day, when the Holy Ghost fell, there were people there that understood that it was the power of the Spirit, amen, that was gonna bring their nation, thank God, back to where God wanted it to be. So Pentecost is life. Can I tell you that Pentecost is also a rest? It's a rest. What do you mean? I mean, once you get born again by the Spirit of God and you're filled with the Spirit it's, it's not a labor or a striving trying to be righteous. I, I feel sorry for people that get caught up in these Eastern religions and these cults, Sister Rita, that are everywhere. And they got them doing all these things trying to be righteous, trying to progress through different steps. Are you hearing me? And uh, I, I heard a song uh, yesterday that said, it won't change your life in five easy steps. And I said, or 12 easy steps, or a 1,000 easy steps. It's, it's not some man-made guideline that makes you righteous. Are you hearing me? But it's being blood washed. Amen. And you know why you're blood washed, why the blood's applied? So you're a candidate for the supernatural, for the Holy Spirit can come in. My God, and live in you. And, and then God baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. You know why in the Holy Ghost? Because it, it brings us to a place, amen. In Exodus 33 and 14, God told Moses, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest, amen. In Isaiah 28 and 11, he said with stammering lips and other tongues, I'll speak to this people. And in verse 12, he said, this is the rest wherewith you can cause the weary to rest. Amen. All of that time of sacrifices and, and all that time of trying to keep the law and all those, the times of the day of atonement, the sin offering, all of that. The, when you read the, the numbers of, of the lambs that were slaughtered, I, I, some, one commentary estimated it was in the billions of lambs that were slaughtered and animals trying to be right with God. But aren't you glad one day 
that the Lamb of God, John saw him and said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And all of a sudden Jesus died on a cross and resurrected and in the upper room that day, the Holy Spirit came in there. Can I tell you, the striving ceased. The laboring was over. Now it was not just a ritual or a law, but it's a relationship with God through the person of the Holy Ghost. Give him praise if you would. No wonder Jesus said, come to me all of you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your soul. But what I really wanted to focus on today is the fact that Pentecost is for the harvest. Pentecost, the outpouring of the, of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Can I tell you, they were saved. One man told me, he said, well, they weren't saved until they spoke in tongues. I said, you're a nut. That's not right. Jesus walked in the upper room before Pentecost and breathed upon them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Does anybody remember reading that? That It's there. They, they received the Holy Spirit. He breathed upon them. He walked in there and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, they were converted. Amen. In the upper room, they were baptized in power. They spoke in tongues as an evidence of what God was doing. Peter said, these are not drunk. That, you got to understand that, that these Jewish men usually came at Passover and stayed till Pentecost or to Tabernacles. And it was estimated there were hundreds of thousands of Jewish men that had came from all over the world. The Bible said not just from around Israel, but where they'd been dispersed and scattered. There were men that had never learned the Hebrew language. There were Parthenians and Medes and people from Mesopotamia and, and Egypt and all over the world. And they spoke those languages where they had grown up. Does that make sense? But now in the upper room, the wind of God blows in like it did on that mountain that day when the trumpet started sounding. All of a sudden, these men, this 120 in the upper room and women get filled with the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in all of these languages. And people that were gathered around, they heard them. They said, what's going on? We hear these Galileans, who are, which were really the lowest class, most ignorant-based group of Jews around, and, and, and said, they're, they're not speaking the Galilean language. They didn't know Hebrew either. They're speaking the great works of God in all of these languages wherein we were born. And, they, and others said, well, they're just drunk. Isn't that just like the world? That's like Samuel when Hannah was praying for, or, or Eli, was, when Hannah was praying for a son and she was down by the altar and she was grieved and vexed because she couldn't have a child. And the Bible said she prayed and her mouth moved, but nothing came out. She was travailing, wanting God to help her be able to bear a son. And Eli looked at her and said, put your wine away, woman. Boy, he was a spiritual priest, wasn't he? He thought she was drunk. That group thought they were drunk. And then that's when Peter stood up and said, these are not drunk as you suppose. It's the third hour of the day. But this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh. Watch this. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now I've heard people think, you know, that means holler, shun, dying, shun, dying, yeah, yeah, I say, and all of that. And it does mean that too. But what it really means is they all stood up preaching. The word there means preach, amen. And they were preaching in languages that they'd not learned at mama's knee. They were speaking as the spirit gave them utterance. And uh, you remember what Jesus had said? He told that church, 
church. He said, you shall, in Acts chapter one, before he ascended up, don't depart, but wait there. Because he said in verse number eight, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. You shall, in other words, be soul winners. You'll be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Can I tell you something? If you think all God did was save you so that you could just, you know, enjoy salvation and, and, and live a good life and ask for blessings and pray for things and, and get this, and get, you are wrong, wrong, wrong. Because God will bless you, amen? And he does answer prayer and he will supply all of your need and give you the desires of your heart. But I want you to hear me if you never hear nothing else I say. God saved you and gave you the Holy Spirit so you could start witnessing and working to win souls and minister to the needs of the poor and the down and out and show them that there's a God in heaven who cares about their circumstance and there will come a day when us, all of us, oh God Pentecostal church, hear me, one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to be judged for the deeds done in the body whether they were good or whether they were bad. In other words, God may have showed you great and mercy and saved you and to this point you've not really done anything for him but thank God this is Pentecost Sunday and the Holy Spirit's still being poured out and it's not too late for us to rise up and go out amen to, to, uh, to Richmond to Madison County to Kentucky to the United States to the world amen that's what God's called the church to be it's all about the harvest hallelujah cause people are dying without God can you say they're dying without God. Not long ago, I got a phone call to come to a house to pray for a young man. And when I, before I left, they told me, they said, this young man's demon-possessed. They started telling me about all the things they'd been seeing. Now, listen, I get phone calls real often saying people are demon-possessed. Most of the time, they're not. Most, a lot of times they are under a demonic influence or they've allowed themselves to get caught up into something that's brought about oppression or discouragement or depression. I can just go on and on. But there, some few are, are demon-possessed. Most of the time it's demon, demonic control or activity that they're involved in. But sometimes they're demon-possessed. And uh, I'll never forget this. When I got to the house, there was a man there. He was waiting on me when I got there. I pulled up out front. He told me he was a preacher. And uh, he said... Uh, I have a different type ministry, and he started telling me about his ministry. And uh, he said, but when they told me this man was demon-possessed, he said, I don't want no part of it. And he said, so I told him to call you. I said, so you're going to put it off on me? We're standing outside talking. I said, listen to me, brother. Are you saved? He said, yes. I said, are you spirit-filled? He said, yes. I said, then wade right into the middle of this thing with me because you have nothing to fear, amen. And I wanna tell you something today. The, the problem with the church today is that we look at the magnitude of the need. And that's not the right word. We, we look at the, the mass of it, how great it is, how many there are. The, the world, the Bible said, lies in sin. The whole world, that's the way it was in their day. Their nation was like dry bones. I mean, Jesus had to run the money changers out of his own temple, are you hearing me? 
And, and everywhere he went, there were demon-possessed people and, and all this ungodliness and Rome had oppressed them. And Jesus told his disciples, listen, they, they asked him that day when, he, when they showed him all the, the, the buildings of the temple area. And they said to, to the Lord, Jesus said, I want to tell you, there's not a stone there that's going to be left up on another. In a few short years, it's going to be destroyed. And it was. And you know what they said? They said, well, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? Are you going to set up on the throne and, you know, and put us in charge and raise up an angelic army? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. You're looking at the world. You're seeing this as needing some heavenly you know, army to come and, and conquer it. But he said, here's what I want you to know. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you will preach the gospel. You'll be my witnesses and my kingdom will be establishing. Can I tell you in about 70 years amen they had evangelized the world and under the orders of Constantine and Rome amen Christianity became legally and, and legitimately the, the religion of the world and I know there's a lot of Roman involvement and things there that people don't like but what I'm going to tell you is simply this what Jesus said would happen amen one place that said these men have turned the world upside down and I believe today that God is looking for a church that will be a spirit filled Pentecostal church with its eyes on the harvest and not so much some gimmick or somebody saying give me a hundred dollars and you'll get ten thousand and all of that and I believe in sowing and reaping but I really believe that what God is wanting us to sow into is the harvest can you say amen and Paul told the Philippian church in chapter three when you involve yourself with this, when you involve yourself with ministry, when you involve yourself with missions, when you become a soul winner, then he said amen, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, that's not just some vague grab it, claim it promise, but that's a promise that's contingent upon you being part of the harvesters, can you say amen oh let me conclude with this, come on Nick when this happened on the day of Pentecost, they came and said, what's this mean? What's this all about? I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some of my family had meetings to talk about me. Y'all have heard me say that before. Some of them said he's lost his mind. One of them looked me right in the eye and said, you wasn't raised that way. You've lost your mind. I looked right back at him and said, you're right. I'm smack down crazy. I said, I may be a nut, but I'm screwed onto the right bolt now. Can you say amen? I said, you hear me. I've lost that carnal mind that said I could have Jesus and do the stuff, the stuff that I've been doing, and you can't. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's over in about chapter 5, he said, I want you to know that there's a group of people that are not going to heaven. And he said, they're adulterers and fornicators and drunkards and liars, even the effeminates, boys trying to be girls, those that abuse themselves with mankind, that's unnatural sexual relationships. Oh, we get nervous. We've got preachers all over the world preaching everybody, you can do that and it's okay. Now, I'm not just talking about the, the effeminate part. I'm talking about the drink, the drinking and the drugging, and the adultery, the fornicating, the, all the other stuff that, that Christians do and, and say grace covers it. 
Paul said, no. Why do you preach that way, preacher? Because I'm telling you there's a baptism. It's more than just a, you know, running down to the well and taking a drink of the cup of, sal- of the well of salvation. It's all right, but it's a river. It's a river that carries you wherever God wants you to go, and it's a river everywhere it goes, whoever it touches lives. That's what Pentecost is. Jesus said, those that believe on me, as the scripture said, out of their belly will flow rivers. I'm not trying to see how much of hell I can hold on to and make it to heaven. Huh? I'm trying to be spirit-filled, spirit-led. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They asked Peter and the disciples that. Peter said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, does anybody know what a gift is? It's something somebody gives you. Not because they have to. Not because they're required to. But because they want to. It's graduation week. I've got a granddaughter that graduated. And I'll give her a nice graduation gift. But not only that, I got invitations from all kinds of kids. All kinds of them. And we recognize them. And we give them gifts. Not because we have to, but because we want to. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What's this? For the promise is for you and your children and all that are far off. That means every generation, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I was so thrilled. Dylan announced this morning about the baptism, which I know it. Last week, that great number, 14, got saved. We've got 16 or 18 scheduled to be baptized. And this is what I said. God didn't just call them to come to the altar to repent. That's what Peter said, repent. But he called them to the baptismal pool because he said, repent and be baptized. Showing that you've died with Christ and been buried been raised when you come up out of the water to walk with him in the newness of life. Showing that you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And not only that, but Jesus identifies with you because he was baptized too. And then he's called us then to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told his disciples and those that followed, there was 500 of them. At one time he said this to He said, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. Get the Holy Ghost. When, when Paul met those disciples uh, uh, in the upper coast of Ephesus that had come out, they were the disciples of John. He didn't say, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? Has anybody taught you about the Holy Spirit? He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we didn't know there was a Holy Ghost. And he taught them and baptized them. They came up out of the water talking in tongues. There was about 12 of them. Are you hearing me? It's important. At Cornelius' house, while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost like they were in the upper room. And so he said, don't depart, but wait. When I got saved and got in this movement, everywhere you went to church, doctor, there was 
altar calls for salvation. There was altar calls for seekers. That's the people that were seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There were altar calls for healings and for miracles. And I know that's a little structured for some people's liking. But I still think we need to be hungry. We need to say, I'm not going to. He told me, he said, don't start a church. Terry, wait, don't do anything. Don't preach. Don't start a church. Don't teach a Sunday school class. Can I say this? Don't be a worship leader. Don't play music on the platform. First, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get filled. Because that's what's going to give you power to reap the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. Have I preached all right this morning? I mean to tell you that there's a harvest. Somebody, you know, it's kind of like I heard the story of a guy that went to an island, you know, and nobody had ever been there before. He was a shoe salesman. They sent him there. And he got discouraged and sent a wire back to the company and said, this place is a waste of time. So nobody here even wears shoes. So they called him back. And they sent another salesman. He was kind of young and kind of gung-ho. And he sent back a wire and said, oh, my, I've hit a gold mine. He said, send me all you can send. Everybody here needs a pair of shoes. Isn't that like the church? Don't you get sick of people walking around saying, oh, the world's so bad. These people, there's no hope for them. They all go into hell and they deserve it. Bunch of doping, drunken, tattooed up, looking nasty outfits out here living like hell, doing like all this mess, all that political bunch in Washington, all this stuff on the media. There's no hope for the world. My God, have we forgot who we are? We're the church. The General Assembly of the Firstborn. We're the blood-bought. Can you say amen? The sanctified. We need to be the Holy Ghost-filled and fire-baptized believers. Should have been there when I came through. He sung a while ago. The church was on fire and the Holy Ghost too. That's where we got to be to win our world today. Stand with me, would you? Father, thank you for the promise. The Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord for the favor of God. Let us be that church, that blood-bought, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized church of Jesus Christ, prophesying, preaching, witnessing, moving in gifts of the Spirit to let the world see that Jesus is their answer. God today baptized believers in the Holy Spirit. Refresh and refill those that need to be refreshed in the Holy Spirit. Give us a new vision of the harvest today. In Jesus' name. I want you to look up this way. I want to invite you to the river today. I want to invite you to the upper room to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be old and gray-headed like me be filled. My Lord, you're, you're half worn out and your life's almost over. Get filled while you're young. Think about some great men I've known that got filled when they were just children. Tommy Bates. Everybody knows Tommy. But I know a man by the name of Ted Flynn. Some of you all don't know Ted. Ted's a little red-headed boy from Arkansas when he was about nine years old. Amen. There was a revival came to their church and Ted got saved before the end of the week. He was in the altar talking in tongues, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that Ted has been all over the world preaching the gospel. He's one of the most sought after in terms
interpreters and minister associates in all of Latin America. Great men use him when they go there to preach the gospel. And Ted has built churches and started Bible schools and started ministry schools all over Latin America. And to talk to him today, he's still just that little old red-headed boy from Arkansas. But God used him to touch a world. How about you? You want God to make a difference in you? Listen, the days that we have left, we can win our people. Start with our family. Start with our neighbors. Start with our coworkers. Start with people you don't even know at Walmart or wherever it's at. You can, you can be used to reach the world by missions and by giving and doing what God's called you to do. That's who the, It's about the harvest. Amen. I longed Dylan told him last week, said, Papa said he longs for the day that we have a baptism and 3,000 get baptized. I'm, I'm looking for it. I saw 2,000 get saved one night in Africa. And they got baptized. I didn't get to stay for that, but the pastors did it. And I'm looking for that at Richmond House of Prayer. Are you with me? I want to win Richmond. Has anybody got my vision? I want to win Madison County. I want to win Kentucky. I want the world before I leave here. That's who we are. We're about the harvest. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.